What's up, everybody? This is Keith. Before you get to this week's episode and you crack open that beer, or maybe you've cracked it open already, I want you to head over to Kickstarter and take a look at Scott Lost Kickstarter, The Second Shift Dragon Skull. This Kickstarter's been going on for about a week now. There's still plenty of time to back it. It's the overall 13th issue of The Second Shift, and it, in addition to having the cool main cover, it also has some really cool covers by Ryan Benjamin and Mike Gustavich. So go over there, check out the tiers, um, take a look at the art, and, uh, and pick the tier you like. Now let's get to the episode. Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanderers of Melisandre for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith Foster, the writer of both Kadoja and Three Protectors, and of course the upcoming Animals, which is available for pre-order right now in previews. Hell yeah. Oh yeah, I'm also doing an upcoming story yes. called Paradise Hills. Yeah, you are. Of course you are. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Oh well. Hey man, what you drinking? Yeah. WonderCon's in our rear view, but it feels like it was yesterday. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, but and and we're gonna we're probably gonna get to this either in the main part or in the bullshit part. Well, let's get to it now. On Sunday, we uh, we switched up what we were drinking at our table a little bit, and we went pretty hard in the paint, and it was fantastic. So we split oh, yeah. we split this belching beer. It was a bur- It was like barreled and branded bourbon beer from belching beaver boy that's a whole lot of bees but they made um they made this banana uh stout aged in bourbon barrels and it was 15 percent, and it was this enormous can so scott and i split that to get things going and then we just kept it moving with another stout i had another dragon's milk and you had uh, the the mother earth uh milk latte stout that you like so much yeah, and, I think uh, it was like milk truck. Milk truck, milk truck. And uh, so we were we were just enjoying life. I was enjoying life. I was I was in an excellent spot. And because of that, I'm a little nostalgic for those stouts. Plus, the weather is starting to warm up, and I'll, I'll drink stouts whenever, but the frequency goes down. So I went with my last bottle of the classic Bourbon County Stout. This is my last bottle. Of course, it is 12 ounces at 14.7%. That's how we roll in. That's how I'm rolling tonight. How about you, man? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Belching Beaver Brewery, it was branded and barreled banana pancakes. Mm. And it was an imperial stout with Ugandan vanilla beans. Yeah. They should have called them 14. Yeah. 14.7. Yeah, they should have said banana pancakes just to keep the whole thing going. Belching Beaver branded and barreled (laughs) bourbon banana pancakes. But I digress. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that would have worked. Um, so today I'm going a little bit. I don't know. I guess slider. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, you're you're, you're not going into paint. You're is. just you're just gonna pull up and shoot threes. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. No, no battling down low. Just uh, you know, uh, nice and easy three pointers. It is another neutral. So I can't remember if I had watermelon on the podcast last time, um, but that's one I'm having today. So it's the vodka seltzer with real juice. Where is it? Four point five. Mm. Close enough. Hmm. Mm. 
Man, so I, I'm going to win the alcohol championship today unless you do something. Not that that's, a, that's not a fucking thing at all, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely are. I'm just going to go light in the pink today. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a long weekend, man, and I think that's going to be the majority of what we talk about yeah. today. Yeah, let's get Amongst to it. other things, but that will be the the bulk of it, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was your first thing for the week, man? Or are we just jumping straight into WonderCon? I think for the first thing, we should share and just talk about WonderCon. All right, let's do it. All right, so without getting too much into it, in, like it's more what's what I think I want to talk about more is some of the things like we agreed on some things we wanted to talk about about conventioning and about WonderCon. Uh, but suffice to say, we both had pretty good shows. Um, I think you had a really good show, and I had a very good show. Right? Uh, you know, we we did we did quite well. I mean, I did better than I did last year, and I was splitting a table with you, and you did. You know, better than me. You did great. Um, you know, basically just commissions and and artwork and comics. I don't want to steal your thunder or anything. But for me, yeah, man, I sold a lot of books. Um, I had a lot of people, you know, walk up and be interested. And we had a lot of. I think we talked about this last week a little bit, but we had some really cool conversations. You know, the people who had listened to making pom- comics or have listened to making comics um, kept on coming and kept on talking. And that's always good to see, you know, we can we can see our listenership numbers, but what we can't see are the human beings that are those numbers in a lot of cases, right? I mean, we obviously know the people that are, you know, saying hi to us and stuff, but it's so cool to hear other people come up like, oh, yeah, I listen to your podcast, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and the funny part about that is they're not used to seeing us either. Yeah. So our table mate, um, two tables down. So we had mentioned on last week's pod that there was cool cat uh, is how we referred to him at the time, but yeah, his name's Mike. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I called him dope cat. Oh, dope cat. That's his name. But yeah, it was, uh, uh, yeah, Mike, Mike, shout out, Mike, a very cool table mate. So we had empty spots to the left and the right of us. And, uh, yeah, he had mentioned that he listened to the pod and that was cool. And he was just trying to, you know, get used to our voices, combined with our faces That's you right know? so i guess it i guess we don't look like how we sound yeah so, i don't know but hey it, it, yeah i don't know either sometimes you i think you paint a picture of what someone sounds like right. or looks like from their voice right and if all you do is just like picture that person then then when you see them you're like oh shit that guy doesn't look like who i thought he did right but, uh, exactly so i'm eight feet tall and weigh 485 pounds <laughs> just just so you guys know out there. Yeah, that that's what I look like. But I something I thought that was funny about Mike when he first came up to us is that we were just bullshitting like as we set up the booth. Hey, what do you do with this? Do we want to set up this banner over here? Like what do we want to do? And then uh he came over, he's like, Are you guys the making comics podcast? And we're like, Yeah, yeah. And he's like, I thought it was you. You just you sound different in real life than you do on the pod. And so then we started talking a little bit, and then he was like, no, 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 it's there. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you sound just like yeah. you do on the pod. <laughs> you know, anyway, so it was pretty funny. Yeah, and I think we had, uh, like, one or two other people that came up to us yeah. during the show, right, that also listened to the pod, so More that's always that. cool. Yeah, three or four. Oh, okay, yeah. right on. Yeah, the, the weekend was such a blur. It was. You know? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was, there was. There was so much going on. Like, we were having conversation, things were happening, mm-hmm. happening. And, uh, you know, like you're talking about something that was going on with your wife and, and you're like, yeah, yesterday this happened. I was like, Keith, that was this morning. That was a few hours ago. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And it's just conventions can do that to you. It just really throws you out of whack. And like, you're like, what day is this? Like, when did that happen? Mm -hmm. And, And that's the crazy thing. It's like Friday was, which, you know, from last week's episode, Friday was, was 
uneventful. Like the foot traffic wasn't huge, but I felt that we both made the most of the foot traffic we had. And then for me, Saturday morning was like nobody. Like it was weird. Saturday morning was insane foot traffic, but my line is that I felt like there was like a two-way mirror facing out over our booth. It's like it's like people didn't know it was there, you know, or we were we were stuck behind the invisibility cloak or something. It was just it was crazy the way that worked. And then boom, for me at two o'clock on Saturday, it kicked into high gear. And then Sunday was just nonstop. You know, like it was it was a, a, a mix of things. It was friends. It was. It was people who came up and wanted to talk about the book, people who didn't know us at all, people who liked the podcast, people who wanted to come and talk craft, your friends who I got intro to, my friends who you got intro to, you know, so the whole thing just just soared by starting at about two o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, I've, I've been telling people, you know, they've been asking how the convention went, and I said the first two days were weird as shit. Mm-hmm. It was the the flow was all over the place. It was practically non-existent. You know, we would go hours without talking to people and then, you know, boom, 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 a couple of back to back sales and then maybe another hour or so we're in and talk to people, then some more sales. And Saturday ended up being a good day, regardless of how weird the flow was. Mm-hmm. And same with Friday. Yeah. It was just like, hey, these both of these days are, you know, nothing to complain about. It's like those are solid days. Exactly. It's just the flow of it can really take you out of the process and to the point where I was like, yeah, I was having existential crises through or crises through the first two days. And then you hit the end of the day and you're like, Oh, Hey, that wasn't, that's, that's not what I thought I would end at, but, but that's a pretty solid number. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then Sunday, Sunday was a breeze. Sunday was easily the best day. And those are the kind of days that you wish every convention day was like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just the day just flowed. And I think, you know, having people come and talk to you pretty consistently. And there was even um, a couple of people that wanted to talk craft. Uh, there was a, a mom yep. and a daughter that came up to the table who you actually initially started talking to. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they they thought I was somebody else. Uh, it was it was interesting. They're like, are you, you know, whatever, Travis something? They're like Travis something. Travis yeah. something. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not Travis something. And then I think I asked him back, like, do I look like like my name would be Travis? And they're like, yeah, yeah, you do. I'm like, yeah, I could, I could see how I might look like a Travis. But no, I'm this, I'm that. So you had questions. And, and then they were, they were asked, they were specifically, she wanted to know tips. And so did her daughter because they're, you know, she's drawing. She's, she's you know, getting out there and making art. And I was like, yeah, well, look, the daughter was the daughter was and the mother was a writer. Yeah. Yeah. Which was which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. I can offer a tip or two on my own since you're here. And then I did. And then that turned into them asking more questions. And at some point I pulled you in. I'm like, hey, you mind? Like, I got an art question for you. And then I asked you and then you just stood up and started engaging. And, be- and before you knew it, we like when it was all said and done, it was like a 25 minute plus conversation. And, and we splintered. Like, I talked directly to the daughter for a little bit. You talked to the mom directly. And then when it was all said and done, they even bought both of our volume ones, right? I think Second Shift and maybe either Kadoja or Three Protectors for me. I can't remember which one. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, it was, it was cool. And, and, uh, and then even better, something that we don't realize about this podcast is, hey, hopefully there's some new creators, maybe even some people that met us at WonderCon. And you're listening right now. And uh, because we've referred you to this as an information resource, you know, it's cool because no matter what someone has asked us at this point, we have a podcast on it. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because 
when I was, you know, I was doing a commission while the mother and the daughter first came up and they're just asking you, well, do you know where this Travis person is? And you're like, I don't know who that person is at all. So, uh, and they're like, yeah, supposedly they're right around here. And it's just, you, you were just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know where this person is. I've never heard of them. Right, and, right. and then that's when they kind of went into the, yeah, because, you know, my daughter really wanted to get some like, kind of like a portfolio review and, um, you know, by the time the conversation was over and, you know, they picked up our books and they were saying their goodbyes. And I was like, hey, you know, sorry, we weren't the people we weren't the person you were looking for. But it turns out we were the people you were looking for. Yeah, and exactly. she's like, totally. You guys were definitely the right people. You know, we appreciate all your help and all of that. That's so, awesome. Uh, very cool. So, you know, if you guys are listening, uh, it was great talking to you guys at the show. Yeah. And then we actually had another person come by as well. Also talking craft and we we referred him to the pod and he ended up picking up uh, one of my books. I, did he pick up one of your? Maybe he picked up one of yours as well. Yeah, so this is where the blur of the convention comes in. I don't think yeah. so, but boy, it, you know, you, you talk to a lot of people and uh, yeah, and maybe yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think this is a good time to talk about. We did agree that we wanted to have three specific things that we wanted to talk about uh, related to WonderCon, aside from a recap. And the first thing is staying patient. And, and I bring that up because both Scott and I just mentioned that we were having, you know, let's, I mean, we're, we're overblowing it for dramatic effect, right? But these mini existential crises. And, um, and yet at the end of the show, we ended up just fine. You know, I had a very good show and Scott had a above very good show. I, I like to think, you know, that's up to you to decide. But yeah, definitely. But what's interesting is that we've been doing this for a decade and we still had existential little mini existential crises after doing it for a decade this is still going to happen you know and the the way that i equated it as uh, the way that i think about it is if if i know the sixers score 115 points a game i'm just making that number up but it's probably pretty close then why would i stress if they only have 23 points at the end of the first quarter you know like we we believe that they're going to get there and so you have to get to 23 before you get to 115 that's just a fact so i think there's there's some degree if not a big degree of just like staying patient and and making it and, and 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 trusting that hey the process two sixers references and trusting that the <laughs> the everything's going to balance out you know again like halfway almost halfway through saturday i could not believe it was just like i i wasn't talking to anyone no one was coming to the table it was crazy but it all balanced out because you know the next day and a half were were gangbusters so again you you just have to trust that there's so many factors that go into conventions flow attendance where people are going where they go first etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know something to mention to you guys is when you have these things and i think you will it happens to almost everybody just know that, like, stick to it. You know, hey, even if you're stressing a little bit inside, keep that calm appearance outside, which we did at all times, right? And uh, and and have all that, you know, and then just talk to people. Enjoy it, right? We've talked about that before. So enjoy it, trust it, and it all will come around and balance out. Yeah, definitely. You, like he said, you it, even if you are filling it inside, you don't want to show the audience that. You don't want to show the crowd and especially if they ask you, oh, how, how's the show going? Just lie to them. Yeah. You know, like, like just go, it's going great. Mm -hmm. You know, like the positivity 
will, you know, reinforce engagement. Mm-hmm. So if you're a bit down on the situation, then, you know, it, it kind of puts a negative view on you as well right. as the show. Right. And that's not necessarily something that the people are trying to deal with when they're just coming to a show for fun. So, exactly. you know, regardless of what your sales are, make sure you're not putting that on, you know, the crowd. That's, that's not on them. That's not their fault. Exactly. So, you know, you just got to, you know, keep that chin up and, you know, put on a, put on a brave face, look, you know, look like you're having a great show and then, you know, it'll translate. Yeah. And, um, you know, something about the show, and I, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or not, but it's just the layout of where small press is. And I, and I had to have because I think this is something I was railing on for three days, basically, was <laughs> yeah, yeah. the layout of the show makes zero sense. Why on earth is small press so far away from Artist Alley when, when you... You know, the idea is you want the books uh, right next to the people that create them. Yeah. So why would you not have them right next to each other? Yeah. I think the idea that the convention is thinking is maybe, well, this will funnel the talent or the, the uh, not the talent, the uh, the guests through the convention from one side to the other. No, it, that the reality of it is it, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. They get stuck on that side because all the cool shit's on that side. You have the yeah. artists there creating art on the spot selling art, selling prints, all of these things. And then right next to it, you have the t-shirts and all the, all the toys. And, and so they're kind of in the best part of the show. Mm -hmm. And then when you look down on the other side, you look how slow and calm it is. And you're like, well, that's not where all the cool shit's happening. All the cool shit's happening over here. So we're just going to stick over here. And, uh, you know, we've had people come up to the table and go, oh yeah, like, yeah, I didn't even know where this was, you know, like they had no clue where small press was. And I think the idea of, of what the what their idea of a good flow is, it doesn't work, right. and I think they really need to rethink how they lay that show out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that won't happen. I mean, WonderCon's been the exact no. same way for as long as I've you know been around and known of WonderCon. But it's a good point, you know. I mean, we we actually you know this was a common. We just started to riff on this all weekend, and even when we were heading out to the car on the final day, you know, the, we we were able to pull up to close to the building to load our stuff in. But for unloading, it was a bit chaotic because they blocked off all the entrances. You had to get in line and wait if you wanted to, like, pull up close to the actual convention center to unload your stuff. So I told Scott, you know, I went out to the car first and and did a little stuff. And I'm like, hey, we're we're going to have to walk this out. And it wasn't a big deal. Right. Like, I have a hand truck. You have a pull cart. But, you know, we'd made the joke. So so like in a quick summary, small press is number one is further so, number one, fans funnel actually have to physically walk through Artist Alley to get to any other vendor on the floor, whether it's Funko or Super 7 or T-shirts or any other thing that people run to when a show opens. Now, in fairness, running through Artist Alley isn't exactly appealing, right? But still, you have to go through Artist Alley to get to every single one of these places. So, number one... That means... So, that means... Their first impression is seeing the art. So even if they do have a destination that they're trying to get to in that moment, they go, you get that mental note. Mm -hmm. Hey, the cool shit's right here. After we go get our Funko Pops or whatever, let's come back to this side. Exactly. Exactly. So number one, people have to walk through Artist Alley to get to the show floor. Number two, the Artist Artist Alley table is cheaper. And number three, 
it's way closer to parking. <laughs> you know, that's what we were saying. We're yeah. like, I'm so glad, you know, again, just tongue in cheek, but like, I'm so glad that the people who paid less get to have, you force everyone to walk through their section and get to be so close to parking where the small press people who paid more are on the far side and have to walk like a half mile to get to the parking garage. So, I mean, it, yeah. it's all good. <laughs> you know, like we've, we've talked about this. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit more niche, so I, I'm a little less concerned about location, but it's worth noting that, you know, you are an artist who is available for commissions, who has prints of characters that a lot of other people have, and of course, who sells superhero comics like a lot of other people. So I could see the benefit of you having a location that's up for people to walk through. That said, I just put in my application today to renew. <laughs> so, and they asked me, would you like to, is there anywhere you'd like to be? I'm like, I was in SPO6 the last two years. It's fine. That's where I am. So I'm fine keeping my current location. Because I do think that in small press terms, I like where we are. I Like, the thing about small press is, you know, if you have the flow from Artist Alley through the convention floor to us, we are sort of on the back drape, you know? So what I like about it is you actually have to walk through other Artist Alley people to get to us, but we're visible at the end of Artist Alley, no matter where you are. Small kind press. Of on, oh, sorry, small press. Um, we're, we're visible when you walk through other things, and I kind of like that. You know, I feel like that, that I would, also I would helps. say the the prime spot another prime spot though close to our location is where dope cat yeah is. totally I thought, dope, yeah. I thought mike actually had the best location because he was right on the corner mm-hmm. he was the first person that people hit mm-hmm. when they were getting to small press like if they weren't funneling through it if they were coming from the side where i guess where all of the uh all the panels were letting out yeah he was the first person he was the first uh, corner spot. Mm-hmm. He was the corner spot. He was the first person that people saw when they were going to check out the rest of Artist Alley. Yeah. So uh, I might have tried to snake him for that spot. And if, if it wasn't possible, then I'd be like, all right, well, we're fine. We're out. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, and, and the thing about Mike, too, is that he he's like me, but a bigger niche. You know, he's got his 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 comics are dope cat. Um, it's super R. Crumish. You know, like people mm-hmm. who like that sort of sort of stuff are going to love what he does, you know. So it was cool to see so much traffic at his booth as well. Um, so anyway, so that was the first thing. Um, did you want to talk about I, I, I gave a heading, Scott. I know you have a couple of different stories. The you know what we think about I'll be backs. Maybe you take this one. Yeah. OK, so you and I, you know, like you had stated, we've been doing this for 10 years. So we kind of understand what that means. That's their way of saying, I want to go, but I don't want to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. And but depending on how they say it, you, you can take that as, as truth. Right. And most of the time it is, I just want to go. I'm not going to be back. Mm-hmm. And there was a, um, a creator there in small press. And I just, I felt so bad because he, he came by the table and he said, how was the show for you? And I was just like, oh, it wasn't bad, actually. I was like, how was it for you? And he goes, not good at all. It was not good at all. And I was just like, oh, man, I'm sorry. And he goes, yeah. He goes, people kept saying they would come back, but they didn't come back. And, you know, internally, I just I felt terrible because I was like, oh, man, he doesn't know the code. Yeah, like, that's a code. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like dating. You know, it's just like, hey, this was fun. I'll call you. We should do it again sometime. Yeah. 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 Like. It means you're never going to see them again. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like a, a polite way of ending it. And, you know, that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's obviously fans. If they say it with enthusiasm and they're really into what you're doing. Right. And then but they just 
under for their circumstances, they have to go to a panel. They're they're going to meet up with someone. They don't feel like carrying stuff. Whatever the case is, you can hear it in their tone. Yeah, and so you you just really have to pay attention to that, mm-hmm. and just really please do not try to put too much stock into people actually coming back. Yeah, um, I did have a funny line actually by Mike, and he, you know he was talking to someone, and uh, they were like, "Okay, man, yeah, hey, I'll, I'll come back." And then so they left, right? And then Mike came over and he said, hey, man, I'm going to be so rich. He goes, I got so many people coming back. And and that fucking killed me. I was like, that's a great line. That's, that's incredible. Great. Yeah, even you yeah. you walked right over to me and you said, like, dude, I'm totally saying this on the podcast. And I'm, I'm attributing it to Mike because <laughs> it's so damn funny. You know, we are right now we are talking to some creators who may be earlier in their, you know, show career or people who are a little shy of their first show. And uh, if your first show is either, you know, just in your rear view or on the horizon, what I would say to you is for every person that says I'll be back until you sort of get that internal barometer where you where you feel like you have a good read, just attribute 10% of the I'll be backs to come back to your table. I think the percentage is actually a little higher than that if you know what you're looking for. But if you don't, if you're just like, hey, this is my first show and people are saying I'll be back, just, just figure that one out of 10 is coming back. Because what we don't want is for you to get heartbroken because people are sort of having a don't call us, we'll call you vibe, right? Um, and and to, give a, to give an example, I'm not saying this to toot our own horn, but Scott and I had a few people through the show where they said I'll be back and we were convinced they were going to come back. And when I say we, I mean the other person not involved in the sale. Like Scott had this, um, this person, this, uh, this, this woman on the first day or second day, whatever, who said she'd come back and, uh, and you could tell she meant it. And then it was like, is she going to yeah, come she back? She was really excited. Yeah. She was really excited about a particular print. Yep. And, and something she said is, look, I don't want to carry it around the whole show. And I was just like, oh, okay, right on. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. And and but you know, like you said, you could tell that she was coming back. I could tell she was coming back. Yep. The enthusiasm that she spoke with, it it just I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a guarantee she'll be back here before the end of the show. Exactly. And my and my favorite person of the show, which I made no secret to you about, was the Miles Morales metal print guy. Like that guy, I, I after he made the sale because he said he was going to come back on Saturday, and then he didn't. And I was like a little miffed. I was like, man, he was really pumped. I mean, I didn't share it with you, but I was like, dude, he was so pumped about that Miles Morales print, you know? And then, I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day he shows up around noon and he's like, man, I felt so bad because I said I'd be back and I didn't come back. And then like he proceeded to just talk about how much he was thinking about it last night. And like he was so mad that he didn't get it on Saturday and blah, blah, blah. And he walked away and I'm like, Scott, no one at this convention is going to be as as happy about anything as that guy or from from a purchase from our booth no one's going to be happier about their purchase than the guy who bought that miles morales print from you man it was it was crazy it was it was so it made me happy to see how much joy he got from buying that metal print you know and um so anyway that was cool and i even had a guy that said he was going to come back for some prints of mine and then i told you i was like i'm kind of surprised i haven't seen him yet he seemed pretty enthused but he came back you know uh so yeah man again once you you'll it won't take long to develop that and hey maybe maybe you knew that already 
or maybe the couple things we've said are going to give you a little bit better radar on it. But uh, but yeah, you'll you'll start to get a feel for it for sure on who who seems authentic about it and who probably won't ever come back to your booth again. Yeah, yeah, the Miles Morales guy, he was he was actually worried because it was the last uh, 11 by 17 metal print I had. Yeah. So he he came rushing back over and he had said, "Man, I've been looking for you all over the place. I couldn't remember where I saw it." So I was actually on the opposite side of the convention going uh going up along up and down the row on the, up against the wall mm-hmm. looking for your booth and my friend was the one that hit me to it being like on the curtain side of the opposite side of the convention. Yeah. And uh, so I'm happy I actually found you. So, yeah, he got he got really lucky because it was the last metal print. Yeah. And they were doing actually pretty well at the show. So uh, happy about that. I'm glad he found it. And I'm happy he bought it because, hey, that's another sale. It brought him joy. And and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, so the, the one final thing I wanted to mention, I think, as a little bit of a note from WonderCon is the value of a well-rounded product portfolio. That's what I wanted to talk about a little bit here. And and Scott and I both have examples of that. And I'll I'll leave your example to you. But for me, it, it continues to fascinate me that I sell just enough prints to keep to keep them around. I mean, in my case, like the first thing I'm gonna do is probably cut prints and just let people ask for them, depending on how much table I have to work with. But um but in this case I was able to kind of show my prints. The other thing is that my cassette tapes just continue. It's like I sell I sell three to five cassettes a show, man. It's crazy. And I never know which ones are going to sell. In this case, all the ones I sold were the death metal project I do, Casket Master. But there are times, like there was a show recently where I sold a bunch of cassettes and they were all Mecha Godzilla, which is like the 90s hip hop thing I do. And then there was another show recently where everything was the Scheme Richards Times Kadoja tape, which is just giant monster stuff the way the first, you know, three Kadoja soundtracks have been. So it's cool to have that stuff. It's cool to have that well-rounded product for- portfolio because they, they don't sell a lot. But the like in my case, the kind of people that buy prints and the kind of people that buy cassettes generally aren't buying the book. So if I didn't have those cassettes or I didn't have those prints, I wouldn't have made that sale. And in my case, like I figured out how to you know manage my suppliers and negotiate and do all that so that I can get them at a pretty decent price and still manage to make money off these things. So it's just something to note that if you have the ability to round out your product portfolio, then I suggest you do it. And that doesn't just have to be in different products like cassettes and prints. It can be what Scott's about to talk about. Yeah, you know, it's funny too, though, because we've had multiple conversations and, and I mean, if this pod has taught us anything that Keith has the ability to change his mind on how he feels about certain things. Yeah. So you've definitely talked about on the pod and with me off the air about completely ditching prints altogether mm-hmm. and like kind of really paring down your table and just solely focusing on your books. Mm-hmm. Now, after this, after this convention, you know, and even during the convention, we've had those conversations, you know, like I have trading cards at the table, mm-hmm. for instance, and you know, you brought up just as a counterpoint to the cards because I, we've talked about it in the past. Yeah. You're like, you know, if you didn't have those dollar trading cards, maybe they would have bought one of those $5 metal cards or maybe yeah. they would have bought a print yep. or, or, you know, this and that. But for me, 
I just remember being a kid at a convention and not having a lot of money and wanting to get things for people, but wanting to get stuff for myself. And, you know, you have only so much cash. Mm -hmm. And then you have, honestly, you have those parents that are tightwads and don't want to buy their kids shit. And like, for me, it's like, why are you even taking them here if you're not buying them stuff? So those dollar cards, I've had people come solely to the table or stop because I have a little price tag next to them. It says $1 and they'll be walking by just ignoring all the stuff. And they see that dollar price tag and they go these are only a dollar and i was like yeah flip through they're all different and so they'll end up picking like five or six cards up and like hey that's five or six more cards than or five or six more dollars than i had before they walked by so you know for me the price point is good because you know i print i think i have about 20 per sheet and then i just have to cut it up and so the price point on it it's just like yeah i'm i'm actually you know making a pretty good price mar- uh, profit margin mm-hmm. off of those cards themselves. And, and honestly, they don't take up that much space. And I also just want to have as many things at the table that can reach different price points for different types of people. But I do want to start paring things down. Like I've had prints of all sizes and like I'm over that. That's the part that I'm over. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, just go 11 by 17, get get rid of the like four by sixes, get rid of the nine by 12s. Like that's eating up all of your real estate. And that's not what you want. You're here to sell comics. And then the prints are kind of like, hey, this kind of subsidizes things. If if this is a print show, guess what? I'm making some money off prints. If mm-hmm. not, I'm I'm focusing on selling the books. And, and honestly, the prints don't even – there's zero effort there. You just put the images out there and they walk by and they go, yeah, I want that. It's like, okay, cool. Whereas the – the books themselves, there's a bit of a sale. There's quite a bit of a sales pitch that needs to go on before you can potentially make that sale. And it takes a lot of out of you. It takes a lot out of you. So for me to have something at the table that requires little effort is like the thing that that's something that's the benefit of the prints, you know, beyond the money. It's just like, it kind of lets me take a break from those pitches to just make some money with, with little effort. I don't want people to think changing your mind is a bad thing. You're allowed to change your mind. When I, when I said that, you know, it's all in good fun because you have changed your mind on the pot a lot and, and it, and it's cool. It's just like, I'm like John Kerry flip flopping. Sorry. That's like a dated (laughs) political reference. I don't even care. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's it's totally cool. Like you you thought one thing and you're like, hey, you know what? I, I don't believe that anymore. Yeah. I, I that doesn't work for me. Or like, you know, it does work for me now. It didn't work for me before mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's that's actually another part of this process of figuring out tables. Like you said, it's just like, okay, well, how can I manage my space better? Well, we have giant airspace behind us that we can totally use. Like so let's say we do well. Let's say we do a show next month, Keith. Yeah. And it's in, let's say, Las Vegas. <laughs> just, just and we're also sharing a table yeah. there. Theoretically. We're not sharing we're a table. A show we're Las actually Vegas. not sharing a table, though. We have we have separate tables, and hopefully we're tabling next to each other. We don't know that yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Shit. Like, in my head, I, for, uh, I thought we were splitting a table again. Yeah, Okay. Man. Well, we have giant airspace behind us and we don't necessarily take advantage of it when we can. Yeah. So, like, even if we did want to have our banners, I have that... A photo uh, photographer's backdrop thing behind us mm-hmm. that elevates higher than our banners. Yeah, so we can still have our banners and we can have prints running along the top of it. Yeah, that takes up zero space. It just adds a little bit more time on setup. Totally. That's 
there's no problem there. Yeah. You get all your table space. Your table is totally focused on your book. Yeah. People that are into art will walk by. They'll go, hey, what the fuck is that? That's a cool image. Yeah. And they go, oh, those are prints. I have them for sale. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Boom. We didn't even get to the part where I wanted you to talk about how a well-rounded product portfolio can work within the context of comics, man. So why don't you talk about a book that surprise sold for you this show? Yeah. Okay. So I'm in the Accidental Aliens. We have done multiple anthology series and I've brought them to shows for the last, I don't know, we've been doing them since 2017. And honestly, when I'm on my own, I'm not with the aliens. The anthologies don't sell as well. People want to focus on the products that I do solely as opposed to those. The anthology sold so well, this convention, it was shocking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and um, I don't know if I'm just pitching it different or that's just what this crowd was into, but they were gobbling up the 2018 anthology like crazy. That sold the most, mm-hmm. um, which is also a surprise because it's usually the creature feature or the horror one that seems to grab people's attention. So maybe yeah. it was just the shiny cover getting hit off that light in a particular way or something mm-hmm. like that. But Having multiple books is always great because you have different flavors to offer, you know, the audience. You know, it's yeah. just like Second Shift is a superhero book. Wanders is a sci-fi um, fantasy book, I would say. And then, you know, the anthologies have different th- themes. You know, there's a sci-fi theme, there is a horror theme, and there's a post-apocalyptic. Yeah. So you hit kind of all these genres and you're able to service multiple customers. So, for instance, there was a guy that came up and he was just like looking at my stuff i gave him the quick pitch on all the stuff and then he you know i think you did your pitch right and so he he went over to your side and was checking your stuff out and he said do you have anything like with weird cowboy stuff Mm -hmm. and you're like no i i don't and i was like i do yeah and because one of the stories in the anthology had a western bend to it yeah and i was like yeah check out this one it's called dust um, you know, it's in this anthology and he flipped through and he checked it out. He goes, yeah, man, I'll take it. Yeah. So it, it was great. You know, just such a random want like for, you know, he's a relatively young guy looking for a Western story. Yeah. So for me, it was kind of a weird ask, but I'm glad I had it on stock. So, uh, all right. So we finished the uh, WonderCon briefing. And we actually haven't even talked about the things we did this week. So, yeah. Keith, what was the first thing you did this week? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to, because WonderCon and the stuff that happened is the most interesting stuff to talk about this week, I just want to bring up one other thing ha- that happened this week that I want to talk about, which I'm excited about, which is I got a request, my first agent request, for a full read of my manuscript. So even better, Scott was in the car when it happened. We we had actually driven. We were driving home from WonderCon because you know he was staying with me. And um, day and, one, yeah, day one, and and we're at the light, and like my my phone notification comes up, and it's interesting because it just says agent response to your query. I mean, it was a pretty standard thing, yet something about it felt different, and I can't explain what it was. Like it it had it it's like i'm not sure it looked any different than the rejections i always get yet i just had a weird feeling and then i opened up the email and damn it if the agent didn't request a full manuscript so and i was like holy shit dude somebody actually requested the full manuscript like first one and I, he was like oh my god you know you were like oh my god that's so cool and i was like yeah i think i think i might start crying you know because the thing about it is you've heard my inner victor vaughn for all of this podcast. And my inner Victor Vaughn has been around for much longer than the time from which this podcast started. 
And so I've been working on this novel for, I worked on this novel for almost five years. And you have, you know, smart people that are telling you it's good and, and guiding you through the process, whether it's your mentor or people reading or people workshopping with you and reading on a monthly basis. And so you feel good about it, right? Like that's the thing you have to fall back on if you don't get hits. But when you get that first hit, just when you get the first person, like nothing may come of this, right? But the fact that one person even read it and said, yes, I'd like to read more, that validates it. Because now I know it has legitimacy. And that's super important, right? Like, like it's, again, I, I don't doubt that all the people that have workshopped this for me for four and a half, five years knew what they were doing. Right. But then when you get that first actual feedback from an agent and they're interested because now, you know, like now now we're talking about someone that might be interested, might might be interested in staking some pit of their career on it or or thinks they can make some money on it. And and that means a lot. So it's fair to say that if one person likes it, a lot of people will like it where, look, I could have gotten absolutely zero request for a full manuscript off this it's worth noting by the way i should mention the general process you know if hopefully it's inferred but if not it's totally okay the you send a sample of your work to agents and if they like it they request either more like the first 50 pages or they just say send me the whole thing and i'd like to read it so that's the way this process goes and again this is the first time i've actually had an agent come back and say i'm interested and i want to read more so if one person likes it, other people will. You know, if you like it, other people will. So it was great to see. And in a way, it's also a payoff for what I've talked about a couple episodes ago or through the last few episodes of this. Maybe it wasn't the story that was the problem. Maybe it was how I was pitching myself. So, you know, the, a great note to take from that for everyone listening is make sure that you're spending some degree of time on actually pitching how to pitch your thing as opposed to just doing your thing because how to pitch your thing is important. Was this response from an editor who had a, or a, an agent who you pitched it differently? Who, no, no, no. Uh, so yeah, generally once you've pitched an agent, you're done. You don't just you don't just no, go back. Uh, no, and I didn't know again. if you sent another batch out. Like you had oh, yeah. that revelation, and they're like, you know what? I should be pitching it this way, and then you sent it out. So, so it wasn't that. No, no, no. Well, let me let me try to be more clear. In fairness, and we'll see if that answers your question. You generally do it. What what I've been taught is you do it in waves of ten. So the first wave of ten was one actual hard no and nine soft passes. The second wave of 10 was two hard no's and eight soft passes. The third wave, which we are in right now, was where when I started to do it, I'm like, look, I'm not getting hits this one way. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not selling my story enough. Maybe I'm not using the right comparisons. Maybe I could talk myself up a little bit more. And that's what I mentioned a couple podcasts ago. So what I was talking about there was the logic that went behind what is, what is the third wave of, of submissions okay. to agents. So you did change it. Yeah, which happened early in March. And so now we've still got a couple weeks for for you know soft passes on this. But most of these are actually through Query Manager. So they are going to respond to me one way or another. Even if it's a no, I will get a response. 
So, uh, so yeah, so this third wave, basically agents number 21 through 30 is the one where I did my first change to how I was pitching. So it's cool because nice. I've, I've gotten two no's from this wave, but it's two no's and, and I'm interested. So that tells me that something about the pitch wasn't quite working for the first 20 because the, the words in the goddamn book haven't changed. They're the exact same for everybody, <laughs> you know? So anyway, right. so yeah, I, I just, again, it's it's so nice to just get that one bit of validation because that's, that's enough to fuel me for 30 more agents if it doesn't, you know, if, if nothing comes of it. Dude, it's it's so huge. Like, I was so happy for you in the car. You know, we had that hella weird day. Mm-hmm. Like, it ended well, but it was it was still fucking weird. Yeah. You know, no, no, no. Ma- no matter what the total, I mean, I guess there's a there's a total where you can go. You know what? That was the greatest day in history. Yeah. But the the day was super weird. We were exhausted, and to get that news like right before we got to your house, it was just like, dude, this is fucking killer. I'm glad I was here to see it happen. Yeah. Like I got to experience it with you, which was super super awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm proud of you, man. I'm yeah. I'm so happy that it's actually paying off. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, I should have went first because my my first thing isn't as cool as yours. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so okay, at WonderCon, I I actually got a hold of the artist that's going to be doing the cover that I've been waiting for for Second Shift thirteen, and I was worried that I was getting ghosted. And I saw him at the show, and he goes, "Man, dude, I swear to you, I'm I wasn't ghosting you. Yes. I'm swamped." And then he proceeded to tell me about all of the projects that he was doing, and and you know I believe him. He's he's pretty famous in the comics world, you know, and and so I was psyched. I was like, dude, totally, it's all good. And he goes, stay on top of me, keep bugging me, and I was my nature is to do the opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bother people. And, um, you know, especially him being who he is, he's basically doing me a favor by doing the cover. So yeah. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to bug him, you know? And he goes, no, no, you need to. Mm-hmm. He goes, cause I'm so busy that I'll forget about it and I'll just keep doing other things. So you stay on top of me and I'll get it done. So, so that's what I'm doing. That's my thing that I'll be doing this week as well. After this recording, um, I'm giving him a couple of days, just letting him get some breathing room from the convention, but then I'm going to be on top of him, uh, like white on rice and make sure we get this cover done. So hopefully I can can get that by the weekend and I can get that flatted as fast as possible and sent over to Joaquin as fast as possible because I really do want to launch this Kickstarter and I will 100% bet you that the Kickstarter is running while this episode is going. Yeah. And if that did happen or is happening, I've already put a tag on the front of this episode mm-hmm. or I've recorded the tag and Keith has done the honors of sticking it on there for me. Yeah, bitch. Um, so we'll keep you guys informed, but I bet you anything it's going right now. Yeah, man. Hey. And and if it's going right now, that means I backed it already. So join me, join me on the backing train, and and let's get it right. So I I do think my my one thought about that is I think it's so cool when someone does the whole like no 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 you bother me kind of thing right. And I do that with people too. I say hey here's blah blah blah. If I, if you don't hear from me in a month or something like that, you hit me up. Because I'll, I owe you something by then, whatever it is, a response, blah, blah. So I think it's really cool that that person, you know, did the whole like, hey, 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 I'm telling you, I'm ordering you that, it, that it's okay to bother me if you don't hear from me. You know, so I, I just, I think it's cool when people do that. Yeah, it's great to know what method works best for you. And he's been working pro for 
I don't even know how long, like yeah. 20, 30 years or something like that. Yeah. So um, it's great. You just got to know your process, what works for you. I mean, for us, we talk about it. This is a process podcast. So yeah. we, we tell you what works for us and, and he know what worked for him. And I was doing the opposite. So I'm glad he informed me what I needed to do to get this shit going. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, we're going to cut it right there because we got to get on the main subject. We're running a little long, so let's do it. Keith. You had the idea for this main topic. Why don't you tell the world? Yeah, yeah. The the main topic that we're talking about this time, and we'll see where it goes, is this idea of avoiding lazy storytelling. And the, it really sparked in my brain. I was reading this cool article on the Ringer website. That's a website I go to a lot. I just I think they're very thoughtful about a lot of things. And it was um it's it's some kind of title on the Ringer like the multiverse needs to die at least in this timeline. And so it was written before Everything Everywhere won all the Oscars for everything. And it talks about how multiversal storytelling was heralded to be this awesome thing and instead it's just you know, a letdown. But there was a paragraph in it, and I want to read it right now because I think this summarizes what you want to avoid as a storyteller, right? So I'm just going to read it. Creatively, the multiverse was supposed to mean boundless opportunity, a chaotic narrative device to mirror our turbulent times. Instead, it's only highlighted the rotting foundation of the entertainment industry and its inextricable Ooh, inextricable tie to the stories we tell. It's a magic eraser used to undo missteps and add a fleeting sense of grandeur to studios overly reliant on formula. Decades of never-ending franchises, rehashed IP, and mismanaged interconnected universes were always going to bring us to this moment. So you can agree or disagree with that, okay? Like, there's a part of this, you know, the the article makes some awesome points i i bet scott agrees with some and doesn't agree with others and i agree with some and don't agree with others right and we don't agree with all the same points like for example it it likes the third spider-man film this paragraph to me talks like summarizes why i don't like the third spider-man film because my personal opinion and mine only is that i feel that it I feel like the writers was like, well, I don't really have an idea, but what can we do? Oh, let's bring back all the Spider-Men, right? And hey, a movie is born, right? So I don't agree with all the points either. But what I agree with is the thought, like, I, I agree with, like, this idea of the paragraph here that what they're talking about is that studios, I like the idea of this magic eraser, Right. That that studios had this opportunity in the multiverse. But instead, what they're doing is they're trying to figure out a way to kind of dump everything into it to make everything all work. And it's sort of like a hellish, bizarro dimension version of the Neil Gaiman line. You know, the second draft is where you get to act like you were you knew what you were doing all along. You know, so there's this there's kind of this whole like, oh, well, this is we knew what we were doing all along. It's like you guys had no fucking idea what you were doing all along. Like now you're just trying to jumble it all together and make it work. Right. But again, agree or disagree with the points. Scott and I uh, agree with some points, disagree with others. That's not the takeaway from this. The takeaway from this is. Remember that you can avoid this, right? Because what what the crux of this paragraph is, is lazy storytelling, 
right? Like that is essentially what they are saying here. They're saying that studios had the opportunity to do this great thing and then got lazy and then decided to just rehash old things or pour stuff into the gumbo that doesn't work. And so I feel like there's a lesson in there for you to apply to your own property. You know, like, look, the big boys, the big studios, the big girls, they have a lot of money and they can do all kinds of stuff and they can try to do this, but you don't have to fall for those same traps. So I feel like like this is not exactly a hard rule, but it's pretty close to a hard rule. You know, it's funny you say Western because when I took a street screenwriting class in college, and I'm not going to date myself, but it was a long damn time ago. Do you know what the one rule of screenplays was? No Westerns? No Westerns. <laughs> that was the one rule of screenplays. Don't write a Western. Nobody's buying Westerns, right? But uh, That's funny. I listened to a, a podcast where they were talking about how uh, no shirted superheroes don't work anymore. Yeah. Like Conan and, and John Carter, people like that, Tarzan. Oh, okay. It's just like... Yeah, so it's basically the same thing along along line with yours with the westerns. Yeah, but it's just another genre that also doesn't work anymore is uh, shirtless uh, heroes. Yeah, it's also sort of like a just a direct shit on Edgar Rice Burroughs, who did all of those, right? No, he didn't do he didn't yeah. do Conan. He did two of the three, right? So so yeah, they're like they're just like fuck you, Edgar Rice Burroughs. You don't own us, you know. But um, but anyway, so uh, yeah, I I just. But I think the point, too, is that, like, lazy storytelling. There's this cool website, and it's a literary magazine. And I'm pretty sure the name... Look, anybody listening out there, if you want to write a short story to their submission guidelines, go for it. It's a cool literary magazine called The First Line. And what they do is, at the beginning of the year, they put up prompts that absolutely 100% have to be the first line of your story. Hmm. So they give you the first line and then your job is to write a 2000 to like 5,000 word short story that goes off that first line. So every first line is the same, but every story is different and they're going to pick the best ones. Interesting. And so what I think is, is even cooler than that is that in their submissions, like, you know, they they talk it up like, hey, here's what, you know, here's some here's some things that can help you get published in our magazine. And they're like, one of the things is don't go with your first impulse, because if you're going with your first impulse, odds are a whole lot of other people have that same first impulse and or and, and again, I'm going to give Gary Hodges some credit here because he talked about this on one of his live streams. Like if you go with your gut, your gut is probably mimicking something else out there. And so that's the kind of stuff you want to avoid in your storytelling. You know, like like your gut is there. But when we're talking about telling a story that's not lazy, your gut might lead you wrong. Your intuition might lead you wrong because your intuition is going to spring to this similarity of something that's already kicking around in that lovely, wonderful, amazing compost heap of yours. You know, so... I don't know how much we're going to get into the craft here, but I, I think it's fair to say that from in, you know, in the when I was in college, the no Westerns rule was a thing. I would I would not write a multiverse story if I were you. 
<laughs> you know, like, right. please, it's, please, it's for just, the love of Pete, don't write a multiverse story right now. They're all being done and they and, and that's the thing right now. Nobody wants any more multiverse stories. Right. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's all hitting the fan at once. And it's unfortunate because something else that article mentions is that it's been living in comics for since the 60s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been around forever in comic books and and us as comic book fans just understand it. And you know, what's funny, too, is before they started doing multiverse stories, I think the first one, I think the first one in recent history that was done was those all those DC TV shows. Mm. They were like they they did a multiverse uh, uh, thing and a thing going on there, a crossover. And for some reason, the studios thought that fans wouldn't understand it. Or like there had been thoughts previously that fans wouldn't understand the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you think about the audience who initially starts reading comics, usually start reading comics when you're a little kid. So if you understood it as a little kid, why do you think grownups wouldn't understand it? Yeah. You know, it's just the thought process of movie studios baffle me. Yeah. It's just like, do you think everyone's a moron? It's like, yeah. yeah, there are morons out there, you know, don't get me wrong. But the large majority of us are can think things through mm-hmm. and understand things and and uh right now is definitely a sign of the times that they do in fact understand the multiverse. Yeah. Um tackling this the subject from a slightly different angle, you know, watch out for lazy storytelling, don't be a lazy storyteller. Um on the artist side of that Think about whatever scene you're going to do and try to think of doing it at a different angle. Instead of just that standard front-on view, you know, try it a little bit higher. Get that Dutch angle going on. Do the low superhero view. Get that low, you know, uh, low viewpoint. And you're just changing the angle of your camera and how your characters are viewed. And that'll make things a lot easier. You know, even to the point where we've talked about the talking heads pages, you can zoom around on that on the on the background of whatever scene they're in and go, okay, well, instead of just staring at the character, say these things, what else is going on in the scene? Is there anything that's important in the background that you want to focus on? And, uh, you know, that'll that'll make the scene a little bit more interesting. Choose different angles. You know, like there was a page of Batman. I remember from the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo run. And Greg was trying all these kinds of cool angles, just just different concepts. Like one of the views was in the Batcave, but it was through the eyes of the cowl. Like I think the cowl had been damaged or something like that. And then so you could see through it, but the shot that he chose was through the the eye hole of the cowl. And I was just like, man, that's just a bold choice. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just he's just throwing shit up against that uh, up against the wall and seeing what works. And it makes for interesting viewing Mm -hmm. you know and that's half of what comic book is is a comic book is is viewing what's going on so try to make it as interesting as possible and don't be lazy yeah just don't try that only that front on view and leave it at that and just keep moving on yeah exactly i mean we we don't look we could we could talk for 30 more minutes but i'm not gonna i'm not sure we're gonna make any more points than what we just made you know if you're a writer Let's all agree to make sure that you're thinking through what you're doing just a little bit more instead of, you know, let's 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 not mince words here instead of sort of rehashing something that's already come before. You know, like if you're if you're just doing that, then where are you in this? You know, you need to be here in this. You every, every story. Look, at some point, Westerns came back and it's because people had a fresh take on them. If someone like 
Westerns? Yeah, you put him in space, you get a little green guy, throw a helmet on him. Boom. <laughs> boom. Exactly. Exactly. And that, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, that's that's a nod to, like, old school. Um, God, what's his name? I'm being such an idiot right now. Uh, John Wayne? No, no. Uh, the, the Japanese director. I'm such a knucklehead. Don't drink beer. Guys. Oh, shit. Don't drink beer. Oh, God. Kurosawa. Kurosawa. There it is. I'm Thank embarrassed. You. I'm you. embarrassed at myself. I'm embarrassed at Man, myself. Man, I'm very mumbly, bumbly, yeah. and like my mind is blank, and I think I'm still filling the convention. I'm... Just three days of being on, yeah, and also on a lot of booze, yeah, has really affected me in today's episode. I totally plan on flogging myself after this episode just for that fuck up, <laughs> you know. But but yeah, I mean, and and maybe there will be a point twenty years in the future where multiverse is is the storytelling device. But again, for now, just like make sure you're you're saying something interesting. And if you're taking a subject that other people have taken, make sure your take on it is interesting. That's for the writers. And then for the artists, I was hoping you would chime in and I, I knew you would with this idea. You know, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff. Like, are you are you using the same visual shorthand, the same visual pass that people have done before? Because if you're doing that, then you're not working hard enough to vary up your own storytelling and make it stand out amidst a landscape of storytellers. Yep, totally. That's it. We did it. Well, we didn't do it. We, it. we didn't make the world's oh, best yeah. cup of coffee yet. We still have some more some more green in front of us. Yeah. All right, man. You got any bullshit? Do I? I don't know. I might. I... I'm... All right. You go first because I don't know that I have any. Oh, we should. We should talk about... I, I got one little bit of bullshit and then we should talk about one thing. The little okay. bit of bullshit is that I, I made the mistake of walking by the Super 7 booth at WonderCon Oh, and yeah. and a figure I did not think was out yet is in fact out. And that is that Super 7 made a Bootsy Collins figure, which I I am just so tickled at. And um and so I, of course I got it and it is going to get added to my look. I I kind of have my elite Super 7 figure collection in front of me here. I've got uh Slayer Show No Mercy Goat Lord. I've got King Diamond. I've got Fire Godzilla. I've got Soundwave from the Transformers, and I have Cliff Burton from Metallica. And I also have from non-Super 7, but I have the um, Ralph McQuarrie white Boba Fett original design over here as well. Like, so nice. so guess guess what? Bootsy's joining that. And, uh, and while I don't want to divulge a super cool conversation I had with one of the Super 7 guys, there is absolutely a figure that they're probably going to announce soon that is going to be right here on that on this prime place as well. So, hey, they'll announce it, and then I I'll probably talk about it a little bit more. But and and for all look, if a guy's having a convention at a, a conversation at a comic convention, it probably ain't exactly top secret. But still, you mm-hmm. know, like like we had a conversation. I don't want to be a dick about it until it's like officially announced. But um, anyway, so excited for the Bootsy Collins figure and excited for what's coming from Super Seven. But the thing I wanted to talk about. Is that hey my home shop on Saturday evening? Oh, that's what I was going to say. I was like, oh, I actually have something. We yeah. do have something, man. We have the after party at Comic Book Hideout, and uh, so Comic Book Hideout did an after party, and they had a, a nice comic sale, right? They but put out a bunch of books in like a half off whatever the tag price is. They put out fresh dollar books. It was buy two get one free in the back issue bins. And they had a DJ and they had drinks, 
which were incredible. And uh, and the person who was pouring the drinks was actually for free. The owner, yeah, the, for free by the owner. And uh, and so I think what well, you grabbed a beer right when you got there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then I went after you, and I was like, I don't know, man. I had beer already, so I'll take a vodka with like whatever flavored seltzer you have. And hey, you commented on it. That was a heavy pour, my friend. That was yeah. She was not. She was like having a conversation with you yeah. as the vodka was going into your cup. I was like, she's still pouring. Holy <laughs> That's shit! That's a lot of fucking vodka. And uh, and I had a second one. And so yeah, man, it was great. It was great. Like we stayed basically until the DJ stopped. And so I mean, the DJ was a touch all over the place. You know, like it was. Yeah, he wasn't good. It was. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a young kid. There's there. He looked like he was. Maybe seventeen, eighteen. Like I don't know. He looked fresh faced. He was. He looked super young. For he sure. played. He played a cool mix of songs. But what he didn't do was build a mix, which is you know kind of the essence no. of solid DJing or beat match. So you'd be all over the place, right? Like you'd have like what was the one combination? It was like early. He was playing some decent current hip hop, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he stops that and drops Chop Suey by System of a Down. Which, if you want to make me happy, play Chop Suey by System of a Down. And um, but then he was doing this weird stuff where he was dropping it out so that people could sing along or so he could sing along. And it's like, man, yeah. just just play Chop Suey. It doesn't need any help. Just play it, you know. Right. You're and also when you drop out the sound, you're making people feel gun shy about singing along with it, which people were. Yeah, totally. everyone was just digging through the fifty uh, or the half off half off bins. Yeah, yeah. And then like I'm just singing along, and then he just drops the sound out, and I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. It's like you trying to get us, bro. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? And and he had a him and a little minion. And they were just like singing along to it. And yeah. the funny part was he ended up screwing up the lyrics, and he goes, oh, oh, I went too soon. And it's like, no, you you just messed up, just bro. Messed up. You messed up. Like, just stop doing it. Just yeah. play the song and to your point there was zero flow to like there was zero flow to the convention yeah there was zero flow to what he was playing yeah yeah and it was just like you know you know hip-hop hip-hop and then chop suey it's like what the fuck and then i mean like i liked all the songs you played but this is weird as hell and then and then let's not forget that after chop suey he played mike jones so it was just like well that was that was weird. Why'd you even drop this? By the way, I should almost like you should almost have your Southern California card revoked for messing up system of a down. You know, like that is that is a right? that is a crucial staple of living in Southern California is to know all the lyrics to Chop Suey. They'll kick you out. If, if you don't know all the lyrics <laughs> to Chop Suey, we're kicking you the fuck out. Right. Like you don't belong here in Southern California. So anyway. Um, but yeah, I did Mike Jones. And then I think later on I was I was flipping through the bins and, and like the song came out. I'm like, holy shit. He was playing this like Japanese pop song called Stay With Me that one of my kids got me into. It's like this Japanese AOR pop from like 1981. So his song choices were really cool. It's just his mix ideas were baffling. Yeah, I needed some work. I think he played about two to three uh, J-pop songs too. Actually, okay, okay. So he did little build, build a little mini mix there. But yeah, you and I, we didn't we didn't go too hard in the paint then. I had actually had no. more books in my hand, but then I put them back. I grabbed a couple old FFs and I grabbed a couple current books. Hey, and and you were the one who pointed out to me on the wall that uh, Marvel just reprinted Avengers number eight. So I do not need to spend hundreds of dollars. And I mean, it's cool looking, right? Like I don't mind. And yeah, uh, it, yeah facsimile edition. Yeah. Totally new, new facsimile edition of that. So I grabbed that, and it's fun to have. So, uh, so yeah, and I know you grabbed a couple books as well. 
Yeah, yeah. There was some Simone de Mayo early work. It was from, uh, what's that character? Hillbilly. Oh, yeah. Hillbilly. uh, And it was the Red-Eyed Witchery from Beyond miniseries, which you brought that over and you're like, dude, I see early like Simone de Mayo stuff. And I'm like, that miniseries is killer. That is the best uh, Hillbilly miniseries, Red-Eyed Witchery from Beyond. So good choice on that. Yeah, I grabbed a couple of those. There was like a Ninja Turtle back issue bin that I needed. Or I back, yeah, back issue. Yeah. And uh, there were some dollar books, and it was a couple of Lone Wolf and Cubs in there. And unfortunately, Ed just had given me a stack of them. And he had, because he had doubles. And I didn't know which numbers he gave me, but all I knew was, okay, he didn't give me number five because it started at six. Mm-hmm. So um, I think most of the ones that were in there are ones that he had given me, but I had no way of figuring it out. So I just grabbed the five and left it at that. But it was cool, yeah. Just like, you know, nothing bad. I think it was like 14 bucks or something that I spent, and, and I was happy with my purchases. I really liked the books that I grabbed, yeah. and uh, it was cool, man. It was a good time, and it was definitely cool to check out your shop, which is an awesome shop. There was tons of books all over the place, just kind of key issues all over and just like badass covers and old books mm-hmm. and they were just right there you could reach up and grab them yeah. you know like socal is amazing but their old books are usually behind glass mm-hmm. or they're like in the golden age section which is kind of roped off mm-hmm. and you have to get permission to go back there so over there it was just all over the place and and the staff was pretty cool and they were chill and everyone was having a good time yeah yeah no I, yeah so hey i, w- I was happy because we had planned that like a month in advance when glennis told me herself that like we've got this after party. i'm like oh my buddy scott will like that so anyway, I did. I just just did just realize that I do have a little bit more bullshit to bring, which is this showed up. I don't know if you can see kind of like the engraving in it. Oh, yeah. But this mm-hmm. is a repress of MF Doom's Operation Doomsday. So that record showed up as my Doom binge continues. I think this is um, this is this might be it for now. We'll see. Um, there's another record. The only record of his I sort of don't have on vinyl that I'm thinking of is Born This Way which I may want to grab, but it's like, it's a little higher priced for vinyl. Um, so I don't know. I, I have to wait for the right price and I'm not sure eBay will give me that opportunity, but I wanted to mention there's a couple songs on this record that I just cannot stop listening to. Right. Um, and I was, I was, if you've noticed, I'm kind of like looking here and trying to cheat off so I can say it at the right moment. So the records, I, the, there's these couple songs, they're amazing. And, um, you know, I'm, I, again, I'm remember that I'm kind of wading into the deep end here of, um, MF doom. But like Operation Greenbacks, dope as hell. Hey, exclamation point is dope as hell. And uh, dude, my favorite song from the record is Give the Making Comics Podcast five stars on Spotify or on iTunes. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, man. Dude, I've been plotting that. I've been plotting that. I swear to God. I was. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So sorry. Anyway, the first the first two are actual songs. The third one is not. But you should give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you have the chance. Yeah, and there's there's nothing else to be said after that. So uh, you could find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. If you want to pick up my books, Second Shift, uh, Tale of Minimum Wage Workers During the Day and Superheroes at Night, and Wanders from Ilisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans, you can find those books at AccidentalAliens.com. And if you want to grab the Dark Horse books of this convention, go pick up the Accidental Alien Anthologies 2018 and 19. We also have 2017, but that is digital only. And then Tales from the Mothership. Those are all available on the website, AccidentalAliens.com. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I've been having these this thought recently. And so I'm going to lead with this in my part, which is my website is keitharfoster.com. 
I have pages for my books, Three Protectors, which is Kung Fu in Space, and Kadoja, which is Giant Monsters Meet H.P. Lovecraft. But on the main page, if you scroll down, you can sign up for my mailing list. And I've been thinking about this since WonderCon ended, that I really want to beef up my mailing list to make it something where, like, I have some articles and fun things to share. To, to give away a little something, Scott, I'm going to try to invoke, like, my inner Kagan McLeod and do that through the newsletter and do some things that I just think are fun and cool and will be exclusive to the newsletter. So I encourage you to go to that site, sign up for the newsletter, get on my mailing list, because while I would love if you followed me at Keith underscore Invader on Instagram, hey, we got to go through Instagram to do that. You don't have to go through anybody to get on my mail list, and I'm going to be able to get some stuff direct to you. So, you know, if you had to pick one, if I had to pick one, go to my website, join the mailing list, and then you'll get cool stuff in your inbox, I promise. Um, But I'm also on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader, and I'm sharing photos of the books I'm reading, of the books I'm doing, and of course, of the life I am living. Right on. And uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you want us to talk about something we haven't yet, hit us up at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know uh, if there's anything that you want to talk about. Uh, we will read it. Yeah. And we will decide if it's good enough. And if it's not, we will ignore you. Yeah. Just kidding. We'll always respond yeah. to you. But uh, yeah, we might become an episode. You never know. Yeah, exactly. And look, I already got you. MF Doom said it. You just have to give us five stars on Apple Podcast and on Spotify. But it is worth noting that someone just responded today, Scott. And on that, what was that? The um, What was the one I did that you saw coming? And you said, email us. It was the, oh, it was the numerology. It was the numerology walk into the five stars thing. Yes. And, uh, and someone did respond and say, like, you got me. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was actually Jason Hatch. So Jason Hatch said, I'm embarrassed to say Keith got me with the numerology. <laughs> great great show, guys, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. We appreciate it. I'm just happy that I actually got somebody that did that did make my day. So uh, so anyway, so yeah, man, throw throw us five stars, give us a review. It matters, it helps, and it helps spread the word. We'll see you guys next week. Yay, yay.